It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. Well, you never know. You go to bed one night, you don't know if you're going to wake up. I got uh, a couple of texts in the middle of the night. During the course of this tornado from my kids. They live about 20 minutes apart in Tennessee. And they could hear the wind. Now the heart of this tornado slammed into uh, this town Mayfield, Kentucky. Hit other areas too. That town only has 10,000 people. Uh, this is a tornado that, or a series of tornadoes, three of them as I understand it, also in Tennessee, in Arkansas, Illinois, Missouri, and killed almost 100 people or so. There's over 100 who are missing. And then you look at the damage, looks like a nuclear bomb hit, hit these areas, just blew these, these homes away like they were built of matchsticks. And my kids, and uh, in this case, my daughter or grandkids and husband, they were all in the uh, lowest bathroom in the house. Now, there is no such thing as mother nature. There's nature. And nature can be very, very beautiful. On a sunny day, you can hear the birds and Watch nature. Butterflies. You can see the seasons changing in those parts of the country where it changes. It's beautiful. But nature has another side to it. Where it's a killer. Earthquakes. Hurricanes. Floods. Tornadoes. Lightning. All kinds of things. The shifting in the plates in the earth. Depending on what the sun chooses to do. Any given day, any given year, any given millennium. And throughout history, not just humans, but animals of all kinds, mammals, have been massively destroyed as a result of things that happen on earth and things that happen in this universe people want easy answers there are no easy answers there's no easy answers there are parts of this country that are prone to having these tornadoes because of the way the the Gulf Stream works or the way certain storms come together. We have absolutely no control over this. None whatsoever. Sometimes your number comes up. You walk down the street and somebody hits you in the back of the head with a tire iron. Or you're on a bus, the bus has a horrific accident. 
You're in the ocean, and there's one occasion where a white shark takes you down. Life is full of risks, even if you're as careful as humanly possible. Life is filled with risks. As joyous as life is, life can be filled with horrendous moments. You lose a child. I can't think of anything worse. Your daughter's kidnapped, brought into sex trafficking. You get a call about a car accident, cancer. Who knows? Each day is precious. You don't know. And so as these people suffer, families, some families wiped out, some families, members are wiped out, loss of homes, loss of so much. I really get sick to my stomach over the ambulance chasers. I really do. I really do. And when the ambulance chasers or the President of the United States or the FEMA Administrator or a Senator from Maryland or a climate scientist or whomever who wish to take this horrendous event spawned by nature, not by man to advance their ideological agenda, it really is grotesque. It's unconscionable. You make people actually believe that we have some control over this. If we would just drive less. If we would just recycle. If we would just use solar energy. This wouldn't happen. And these damnable lies by people who seek to create a narrative and manipulate us get voice in the media today. Rather than dismissing these people as political ambulance chasers, opportunists pushing their ideology and their narrative onto deaths and suffering of others, they're given voice. Must be nice to have an ideology where every horrific thing that happens, you can identify it as a result of climate change, which cannot even be properly defined, in which there is no scientific agreement. It's just that the government and those who run it believe it, and they fund it, and they push it, and they advance it. It's really quite shocking. And so here's Joe Biden Saturday. He's not visiting the scene until Wednesday. But on Saturday... Saturday, he already has the answer. Cut one, hat tip, Breitbart, go. Did this say anything to you about climate change? Is this, are, are you to conclude that these storms and the intensity have to do with climate change? Well, now, obviously, the problem is the media and Biden and his ilk, they play this game. That wasn't a question. That was, do you agree with me that? This is a so-called reporter who lays this up for the President of the United States in the middle of a horrific, horrific event. Which no amount of public transportation, no amount of solar energy, no amount of wind energy, no amount of electric cars can prevent or even tame or even lessen. 
How do you account for the fact, before I give you Biden's answer, that in parts of the world where there's almost no industry, where there's mostly poverty, where most people don't have automobiles, where most people do not use fossil fuels, how do you account for the fact that they have natural disasters too? Go ahead. All that I know is that the intensity of the weather across the board has some impact as a consequence of the warming of the planet and the climate change. Now, this is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And so we'll have these discussions about an ambiguous answer like that rather than give us specific information and evidence. Just specific information and evidence that we can discuss. That we as reporters, we're reporters of news, rather than your observations. You weren't around a hundred years ago to observe, whether it's the Spanish flu. You weren't around 150 or 60 years ago to see the earthquakes that took place in the Midwest of the United States, which were said to be among the worst. You weren't around in San Francisco at the beginning of the last century to see the earthquake that took out San Francisco and so forth and so on. So your observation is absurd. Your observation? Do you know in Florida, I'm not talking about Louisiana and so forth, but the southeast coast of Florida, there was no hurricane this year. There was no hurricane. None. Does that mean the earth is cooling? Does that mean based on my observation, the earth isn't changing? Does it only go one way when we have these horrific events? That's evidence that we need to destroy the capitalist system, that you need to become poorer, that we need to eliminate fossil fuels? Are you telling me before the Industrial Revolution there wasn't horrific weather and earthquakes and hurricanes and, and tornadoes? There was that and more. What happened to the dinosaurs? There's a debate, but what happened? What, too much methane? So these, these politicians are asked these leading questions by their media. And they make comments like this. It's like when somebody is shot, the gun control comments. You're always pushing this radical agenda. It is immoral. It is unconscionable. It is dehumanizing. So it's all of your fault. If all of you would learn to live like peasants... We wouldn't have tornadoes like this. Now, how ridiculous is this? And he wasn't alone. The FEMA administrator, you have Jake Tapper, who's pushing this. Cut to go. The governor of Kentucky called this the most devastating tornado event in his state's history. How unusual is it to see a storm this powerful this late in the year? You know, I think it's incredibly unusual. We do see uh, tornadoes in December. That part is not unusual. Um, But at this magnitude, I don't think we've ever seen one 
this late in the year, but it's also historic. Um, even this, the severity and the amount of time this tornado or these tornadoes spent on the ground is unprecedented. And she goes on to say climate change. Based on what? So that tornadoes are more intense because of climate change? Based on what? And then there's Senator Ben Cardin of Maryland, who truly is an ignoramus. He's on Today No Notice, Meet the Press, CNN, pushing this, spreading the whole thing. Cut three, go. We've already mentioned the tragedy that took place in regards to the tornadoes. I can mention the extreme flooding conditions that we've seen on volume of rain that we have never seen in our lifetime. That is a lie. And by the way, even if we've never seen it in our lifetimes, our lifetimes are quite short, relatively speaking. Go ahead. It's changing. And we are part responsible for that, and we can change the course. See, we, we are responsible, folks. The hardworking, average citizen in this country is responsible for earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes and thunderstorms and a changing planet. This is truly a, a, a bizarre, freakish religion that they've created. It's an idol. It's like a throwback to 5,000 years ago. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. This evening we start with crime. How did we get to this place? We got to this place because the American Marxist element in this nation, backed by the propaganda media, embraced by the Democrat Party, brought us here. What you're seeing happening in the streets now, and it's no joke, murder through the roof, uh, this, these, these violent property crimes and so forth, were encouraged by the Democrat Party after the George Floyd uh, killing. They were encouraged by the media, whether it's CNN or MSNBC, the New York Times, the Washington Post, whether it's 
ESPN even, professional sports. The radical left in this country pushed for what you're now seeing. They pushed for what you're now seeing. And there are former mayors who ran these cities who cannot believe what they're seeing. Former mayors that ran New York City, that ran Los Angeles, that ran Philadelphia, that ran Minneapolis, they cannot believe what they're seeing. Just as we have a lack of leadership in this country as a result of Joe Biden in this administration, and they're pushing their radical agenda, but a lack of leadership to stand up to the radicals. The same existed two and a half years ago during the riots. This is what the riots have brought us. And even though whites and blacks and Latinos and everybody, everybody was appalled by what they saw with George Floyd. It was used as an opportunity by the American Marxists, the Black Lives Matter movement, by college students who were not going to school because of the, the virus, by their professors, tenured Marxists. It was used by the media to drive some kind of revolution into this country. War on the cops. War on capitalism, war on sec, on, uh, on society. And of course, the white dominant, white supremacist culture. That's what you're seeing. That's number one. Number two, this nation is the target of a multi-billionaire who seeks to destroy it from within who's built alliances with the most radical elements in this society, of which I speak, George Soros. These are George Soros' prosecutors in Los Angeles, in Chicago, in Philadelphia, in San Francisco. Nobody's putting a microphone in his face any more than anyone's putting a microphone in Hillary Clinton's face over Russia collusion, which she orchestrated. The damage these people are doing to this country, the damage this party, the Democrat Party, and its surrogates have done to this nation, incalculable. And they want to do more. Through the legislative process, through the judicial process, and in the streets. And in the streets. Things that used to attract people to go into the big cities who don't live in the big cities. Shopping areas are being destroyed. Union Square in San Francisco is destroyed. You have an entire shopping mile in Chicago. It's been destroyed. Times Square is being destroyed. Market Street in Philadelphia, destroyed. Our inner cities are being destroyed by these Marxists. Why, you say? Why? Isn't this the base of the American Marxist movement? Yes. But they want to radicalize further. They want to radicalize further.
The biggest racists we have in this country, they're Republicans. They're not white people. They're not the cops. They're the American Marxists. They've always been the biggest racists. Look at the Marxists in China. Who are they killing? The Tibetans. Slaughtering. The Uyghurs. The Christians. Because this is what Marxism does. It's a secularist, atheist ideology that prays to government. Look what happens to the churches. Even in heavily Catholic, if not exclusively Catholic to a great extent, Cuba and Venezuela. Really quite unbelievable. I want to read you a letter, an op-ed, I guess, that was put in the, the most radical major city newspaper, the Philadelphia Inquirer. You guys in Boston and New York and L.A., you think you have it tough? Philadelphia Inquirer is a real low-life newspaper. And it's written by the former mayor of Philadelphia, a black man, a Democrat. Written about the district attorney of Philadelphia installed by Soros, a white man, a Democrat. District Attorney Larry Krasner, he wrote, recent remarks about whether we are experiencing a crime crisis are some of the worst, most ignorant, and most insulting comments I have ever heard spoken by an elected official. At a Monday press briefing, Krasner told reporters, we don't have a crisis of lawlessness. We don't have a crisis of crime. We don't have a crisis of violence. It takes a certain audacity of ignorance and white privilege to say that right now. As of Monday night, 521 people, and now it's 523. Souls, spirits have been vanquished, eliminated, murdered in our city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, the most since 1960. I have to wonder what kind of a messed up world of white wokeness Krasner is living in to have so little regard for human lives lost, many of them black and brown, while he advocates his own national profile as a progressive district attorney. See, here he is. He's taking on the radical white Marxists. He's taking them on. You don't see this from a Biden. You don't see this from a Schumer. You don't see this from a a Pelosi because they're of the Krasner ilk now. So it takes this former black mayor of Philadelphia to say, hey, everybody, look what the hell's going on here in my wonderful city that I was mayor of for eight years. And my hometown, by the way. He said, I'd like to ask Krasner, how many more black and brown people and others would have to be gunned down on our streets daily to meet your definition of a crisis? How many more children and teens have to die in record numbers to capture your attention and be considered a crisis? How many more moms, dads, spouses, and friends need to shed tears over the loss of a loved one for you to call it a crisis? Words matter. Impact and trigger and hurt. Words mean something from elected officials. Krasner should publicly apologize to the 521, now 523 families of dead victims and the thousands of those maimed by gun wounds this year. He has ignored the pain of living and insulted the memory of the dead. Krasner should also use his words to send a message to the shooters, murderers, and criminals of this city by committing to actually prosecute them rather than coddle them, make excuses. Uh, reduce or drop charges. He should commit to locking them up for carrying illegal weapons or shooting people. 
If Krasner doesn't have the fortitude or the guts to carry out those duties, he should resign and turn things over to someone who is still not trying to sell Philadelphians on the false choice of having either public safety or police reform. Philadelphians can have and deserve both. I know it's possible. Because when I was mayor, we laid the foundation for this work. 2013, Philadelphia experienced the lowest number of homicides since 1968. We reduced the prison population by 2,000. We reduced the number of police officers involved in shootings. The Philadelphia Police Department became accredited for the first time. We weren't perfect. As mayor, I made plenty of mistakes. But I didn't blame the press or Harrisburg. The people of Philadelphia knew that I cared about their safety and that I was working to stop abuses. And he goes on. And he goes on. You don't hear this from Lightfoot in Chicago. You don't hear it. And you know, I'm reading this to you because it's the exception to the rule. You have now a former black mayor in Atlanta. She doesn't take on these radicals. The current black mayor of Washington, she doesn't take on these radicals. None of them. It's an amazing thing. None of them take on George Soros. The big daddy of the Democrat Party. The sugar daddy. And all these radical movements aimed at overturning this country. Until Soros is held to account for the mayhem he has funded. Until the Democrat Party is held to account for the mayhem it has created in this country. And... You want to go back to slavery? Let's go back to slavery. From slavery to segregation to Marxism to absolute lawlessness in the streets and on our border. Until these certain institutions and certain individuals are held to account or speak out, this will continue. You want to know why? The Democrats control all the elected branches of the federal government and the Democrats control these big cities. Conservatives, Republicans, for the most part, when it comes to the big cities, they're not ruled by white privilege and the white dominant society. And if the Democrat Party does not abandon, does not abandon AOC and Talib and Omar and their ilk, people will continue to die and suffer in this country. School choice, something I and Landmark Legal Foundation and others have fought for for much of our adult careers. We litigated for it, and we got it. School choice is something that would improve the lives of millions of human beings in the inner cities particularly. But the Democrat Party stops it. Big-time private sector investment in the inner cities. I'm not talking about in the gentrified areas. I'm talking about the inner cities where so many of the people live, would take place, but for Democrat Party policies. The Democrat Party is a cancer on this country. This is their policy. You're seeing what's happening. They take the money from Soros. The Democrat Party does. Their campaign affiliates do. Their PACs do. They have dark money, PAC money, 
other campaign money. When's the last time the Washington Post criticized George Soros or did an expose on him? How about the New York Times? How about 60 Minutes? How about any of the Sunday shows? How about any of the morning shows on the networks? When's the last time? When's the first time? When's the first time? I'll be right back. Mark Levin. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. The world never ends, ladies and gentlemen, whether the sun goes down or rises. Things are going on that we need to confront, we need to deal with. By the way, as an aside, the, the media are so predictable. I did this interview with President Trump. Part two was aired Sunday, as you know. Among other things, the president said the best decision or one of the best decisions he ever made was the firing of Comey because Comey would have sought to something to the effect destroy him and his administration. So starting with a producer for the Rachel Madcow show over at MSLSD, and I don't know why they're paying her a lot of money. She loses day in and day out to Sean Hannity. She's a loser. She still embraces Russia collusion. Uh, because uh, she really has an IQ of a uh, thumbnail, and I mean that. They put her out, oh, she's so smart, she's an idiot. They're all idiots. Now, that said, so it's picked up by every kook, you know, it's picked up by uh, the Rolling Stone. I was surprised they're still in business, given what they've done. It's picked up, uh, MSNBC, other MSNBC, and regurgitated that... Trump spoke a little too much to this right-winger Levin, exposing himself for obstructing justice by firing Comey. It just shows you folks how sick these dumb bastards are who pose as journalists. Whether they're with backbencher websites, platforms, or MSLSD, which obviously is owned by Comcast, this is sick. It's mindless. Anyway, I want to move on. The reason why I have nothing but contempt for Mitch McConnell is because he has nothing but contempt for you. Nothing but contempt for you. On October 8, 2021, he wrote the President Biden, last night Republicans filled the leadership vacuum that has troubled the Senate since January. I write to inform you that I will not provide such assistance again. If your all-Democrat government drifts into another avoidable crisis, the Senate Democrat leader had three months' notice to handle one of his most basic governing duties. Amazingly, even this proved to be asking too much. Senator Schumer spent 11 weeks claiming he lacked the time and leadership skills to manage a straightforward process that would take less than two weeks. Whether through weakness or an intentional effort to bully his own members, Schumer marched the nation to the doorstep of disaster. Embarrassingly, it got to the point where senators on both sides were pleading for leadership to fill the void and protect our citizens. I stepped in. Remarkably, even as Republicans saved America from his crisis, he's talking about the funding of the government. Uh, Senator Schumer kept compounding his failures. Last night, in a bizarre spectacle, he, he exploded in a rant that was so partisan, angry, and corrosive that even Democratic senators were visibly embarrassed by him and for him. 
The childish behavior only further alienated the Republican members who helped facilitate this short-term patch. It has poisoned the well even further. I am writing to make it clear that in light of Senator Schumer's hysterics and my grave concerns about the ways that another vast, reckless partisan spending bill will hurt Americans and help China, I will not be a party to any further effort to mitigate the consequences of Democratic mismanagement. Your lieutenants on Capitol Hill now have the time they claim they lack to address the debt ceiling through standalone reconciliation and all the tools to do it. They cannot invent another crisis and ask for my help. Sincerely, Mitch McConnell, Senate Republican leader. Got that? Got that? Now, I want you to listen to this from NBC. Congress hatches novel plan to lift debt ceiling with only Democrat votes. Congressional leaders are hatching. Leaders. It includes McConnell, are hatching a complicated plan to lift the debt limit this month with only Democratic votes in the Senate, three sources told NBC News. The strategy, which remains fluid, is a product of negotiations between Senate Majority Leader Schumer and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell that would tie it to a non-controversial Medicare bill. I believe we've reached a solution to the debt ceiling issue that's consistent with Republican views, McConnell told reporters today. Utterly and completely, for the second time, abandoned his own promise, his own word. Schumer said Democrats support this approach as it would not be a convoluted, risky, lengthy process and said it looks like Republicans will help us facilitate that. Quote, unquote. Now, I don't know what scheme... McConnell has come up with, but McConnell has come up with a scheme. McConnell, and he's given it to Schumer, and they're both agreeing to it. Which, of course, lays the foundation for this massive spending bill. Because they said, we're not going to raise the debt ceiling. We can't participate in this, in this spending bill and all the changes it's going to make. McConnell. Let another 18 Republicans to vote for the first half of this massive spending bill. Remember the infrastructure bill? Over $1 trillion with all these social engineering programs. Well, the one behind it's the mother of all infrastructure, social engineering bill. The novel approach would tie debt limit provisions to legislation, preventing automatic cuts to Medicare in a multiple vote process, that would allow the federal government's barring authority to be lifted with a simple majority. This is beyond comprehension. Even if you have an advanced degree, a PhD in accounting, you wouldn't be able to follow what these fools, these low IQ clowns, are trying to do with their Rube Goldberg systems in place. And that's the plan. That's the plan. So he basically, he's basically... Surrendering the filibuster. Coming up with a half-cocked idea on how to get around the debt limit requirement vote with a simple majority to allow the Democrats to raise the debt limit without the filibuster rule. He's giving it to them. Do you understand what I'm saying? If they're telling you twice that he was not going to put up with this. Now what will National Review say? Now what will the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal say? Now what will all the sycophants and the so-called conservative media say about Mitch McConnell? It's shocking 
How we don't fight anything. It's parents fighting. It's the Tea Party fighting. It's the Reaganites fighting. It's the Trumpers fighting. Who else is fighting? Nobody else. Nobody. And the Republicans keep electing them him their leader. The Republicans keep electing him their leader. Leader into what? My God. If not now, when? You're not going to stand up for principle? Now, we send young men and women off to war who put their lives on the line. We send these clowns to Washington, D.C., and they can't even vote right. It's unbelievable. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. So a three-judge panel has bought the argument that a former president who asserts privilege over certain of his documents when he was president can't really do that because, you see, the existing president has refused to assert privilege over those same documents. And so the the court says, you know, that's not really something we're going to do. We're not going to second-guess the sitting president. Of course, the courts are filled with judges who second-guess presidents, Congress, the American people, the states, and on and on and on. So this is not an issue of the... the, uh, of a political doctrine notion that they should stay out of politics. This is a separation of powers issue at its core. And whether or not Congress has this kind of power, see, it's not typical for Congress to start subpoenaing records of a former president for the purpose of investigating a former president who's now a private citizen. We're going into new, very dark, very troubling territory here which is what the Democrat Party has done, and this is where they've dragged us, where it comes to impeachment, which now is no standard whatsoever, when it comes to launching criminal investigations, which now has no requirement for an honest predicate, when it comes to using campaign dollars to buy a dossier and then to politicize the FBI and the intelligence agencies and the Oval Office, for which the person behind it, Hillary Clinton, is not held to account, let alone investigated and dragged in front of a federal grand jury. Now we have this. Now, I haven't had time, but I looked at the three judges on this panel, Mr. Producer. The two that I looked at are both Obama appointees. We'll see if the third is a Trump appointee, a Reagan appointee. I will look that up. But there's two of them who are Obama appointees. Now, one of the things you're not hearing about, you're not reading much about, is that Biden is packing these courts as fast as he can with these radicals, and they are sort of neutralizing the constitutionalists on these courts that were put there by President Trump. And one of the reasons they're able to do that is because these votes bring them out of committee, the Judiciary Committee, uh, because the ranking, or one of the ranking Republicans on the Judiciary Committee is Lindsey Graham, who so far has voted for virtually every judicial nominee, bar two or three, because he thinks a president has this right. What he doesn't accept, and what most of these people don't accept on the, uh, on the McConnell side of Capitol Hill, we're in a battle here to save this country, to save our Constitution, to save our way of life. Well, you're playing games. You're holding to some rule 
that is inapplicable. That is utterly and completely inapplicable. So this is problematic. So, um, now why is this a problem? From time to time, we have Supreme Court justices and or their spouses listening to this program. Why is this a problem? It's the reason I said several weeks ago. You have a Democrat party that controls all elected branches of government. The Democrat party is not interested in separation of powers. It's interested in power. It's not interested in these constitutional constructs that keep us free. In fact, it works day and night to reverse course. And so Joe Biden and his staff and his lawyers in the Department of Justice, they didn't really look at the documents that Donald Trump asserted executive privilege over. They're working hand in glove with the Democrats in the House, Nancy Pelosi, Benny Hill, and all the others. Benny Hill being the chairman of the committee. I know his name. It's Benny Hill. That's what we call him. And, of course, they love the never-Trumpers who help bring us to this point of desperation as a country. Self-righteous, narcissistic punks, mostly. And so this really isn't the Biden administration asserting executive privilege on any constitutional basis, or the converse, passing it. They want this Democrat-run committee to get the information that they think they can twist and use against Trump and his uh, former staffers, advisors, friends, whatever. And the court did not address another issue that I raised, which is this. I don't believe Joe Biden will run again, but Joe Biden says he is going to run again. Okay, so it's in Joe Biden's interest in this case to cripple separation of powers, to give his own party access to information related to Donald Trump, so they can twist into a pretzel that information or use it as they wish, they hope, they hope they find something, something embarrassing that they will claim is embarrassing and spin it, to improve their chances in 2024. So there's no getting around this. If you're going to pretend, well, Joe Biden, he's the sitting president, and he can make the de- No, this is a separation of powers issue. It's a separation of powers issue. The court has it before it, three judges. It's not a question of whether Biden asserts uh, executive privilege or not. Under these circumstances, the court must take into consideration the environment and the facts of what's actually occurring. Forget about these legal analysts on TV. Not a damn one of them is a constitutional expert. Not one of them. One of them can't keep his pants on, for God's sakes. Probably put him on the Supreme Court next. This is a very important issue. This isn't a Trump issue. This is a constitutional issue. And so this matter will be going to the Supreme Court. Let's hope the Supreme Court doesn't keep ducking constitutional issues. There comes to cases out of Pennsylvania that are crucially, crucially important. The Rehnquist Court didn't duck a case in 2000. It took it right on. Had the guts to make a decision. The Roberts Court is a whole other ball of wax, as they say. But this is important to get this right. And let me also say this to our friend Kevin McCarthy, because Mitch McConnell is hopeless, absolutely useless. These decisions by these courts and these actions by this current speaker 
must be taken up by a Republican majority in the House of Representatives where Kevin McCarthy becomes the Speaker. He must do to the Democrats what they have done to the Republicans, or this unbalance where the Democrats can do anything they want and the Republicans play marbles will sink this republic. And I've explained to you a few times, and I want to explain to the Republican leadership in the House. The Republican leadership in the Senate is uh, non-existent. It's oxymoronic to call the Republicans in the Senate leaders. The Republicans in the House, we still want to see. But it's very, very important. The Independent Council statute, which was passed, I believe it was 1978, after Watergate. It's a convoluted statute. It set up a separate court system to go after certain covered individuals. It required a public report. It undermined our understanding of justice. It triggered investigations left and right. It really, in many respects, tore this country apart. You know, everybody says we're torn apart. We've been torn apart a lot by the Democrat Party and the American Marxists. This was the brainchild of a buffoon by the name of Carl Levin, who's been praised, oh, he passed, you know, he was so great when he passed away. We've never seen anything, he's a nasty man. Nasty man. And Barney Frank. And Barney Frank. So this thing is triggered multiple times under Janet Reno against Clinton. Before that, it was triggered multiple times against Reagan. So the Democrats and the Republicans came together on Capitol Hill, and you know what they decided, America? Let's get rid of this law. It's just too... Because the Democrats finally felt the wrath of the, of the law that they created. Of the Pandora's box that they had opened. And so now that Bill Clinton was subjected to multiple independent counsel investigations, as the Reagan administration had been, They cried uncle, the Democrats. They cried uncle. And they let it lapse. The law had an immediate, an automatic lapsing provision. And it's never been renewed. That's how you deal with the Democrats. Trump's right. You hit them harder than they hit you. But that's how you deal with it. When it comes to impeachment... When it comes to coup efforts, I, I, I really am loath to believe that the Republicans have the guts to do this sort of thing. Nancy Pelosi has done it with a three-vote majority in the House. In other words, essentially no majority. Now they want to take this congresswoman. I was hoping you'd whisper in my ear, Mr. Producer. Bober, Lauren Boebert, and remove her from committees. One party removing Republicans from committees. One party appointing a special committee to investigate January 6th. One party driving impeachment. One party driving a coup. One party driving our economic system, our governing system. One party demanding to change the the independence of the judiciary. One party with no majority, really, that knows its ass is going to get kicked in two years. That's certainly the hope. They don't stop. They keep driving the agenda. 
Donald Trump, they want his taxes. They accuse him of violating the emoluments clause. They can't even spell it, let alone pronounce it. They've accused him of a thousand things. January 6th committee. It's a farce. Did you know Letitia up there in uh, the Attorney General of New York has decided that she's not going to run for governor in the Democrat primary? Why? Because she get her ass kicked. That's why she said she has too much work to do. She's released all this information on the Cuomos. She's basically taken out the Cuomos' as competition to her. I'm not saying it's a bad thing she took them out. I'm saying she took them out as competition to her. Most people would say this is a conflictual situation, but no, 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 no. And she's just announced again there's a civil investigation of the Trump organizations, and she's demanding that Donald Trump testify on January 7th. There's no end to this. Whether it's the D.A. Vance, whose father served in the Carter administration and was a disgraceful disaster. Whether it's Letitia James, who ran on criminally prosecuting Donald Trump. She should have had her license pulled right there. But the whole system is rigged. The tax returns, executive privilege, you name it. The entire constitutional and legal systems, federal and state, are being turned into a mockery. A mockery. Because they want to take out Donald Trump, who's not even in office right now, but they fear him so much. If he is, as the news organizations say, a drag on Republican victories. If he is, as the news organizations, the never-Trumpers, the Republics, and the others say, a problem that needs to get out of the way and let somebody else take over, then why do they keep attacking him? I'll be right back. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. The media will never report on the media. The media will never report on the media. That's why I wrote on freedom of the press. Somebody has to report on the media. Now, even putting unfreedom of the press aside, this is why all the focus on Cuomo or some guy drops his pants and does what he does and all the incidences and rather than the so-called profession itself. The profession is not a profession. It is now a political ideology. It has destroyed freedom of the press. It's now tyranny of the press. These are propagandists. We support a free press. We support what these mostly young uh, independent journalists do with modern technology on their own, very inexpensive, really in some cases putting their, their, uh, their, their lives on the line, their bodies on the line. Uh, when they go into these situations like the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, situation where the, the mob was and where the rioting was taking place, that's who we're getting factual information from. That's who juries rely on, not the big media. And you got Pulitzer Prizes being handed out to people over the uh, Russia collusion hoax. Hillary Clinton should be going to prison over that. Hillary Clinton should be in front of a federal grand jury for what she did to this country and what she did to the election system. Nobody's putting a microphone in Hillary Clinton's face and asking her questions about what she did here. She's not being held accountable for anything. Your Pulitzer Prizes handed to reporters at the Washington Compost and the New York Slimes. They're not required to give them back. Any more than Walter Durante was required to give his back when he was a front for Joseph Stalin. And he and the New York Times were lying to the American people. So the media in this country has caused grave problems. 
When you have a company like Comcast, who's in most of your homes, cable system, who's putting people like uh, Joy Reid or Al Sharpton on television, and in the case of Joy Reid, her racism is beyond that of anybody else, or somebody named Tiffany Cross, who I never heard of before, who is just making these outlandish comments and uh, really instigating, in my view, uh, violence, instigating hate, instigating racism. When you have people who come on television and lie, flat-out lie about critical race theory being taught in the schools and so forth, you know, let the American people decide. Let the parents decide. Let us make determinations about what kind of a country we want to have. The goal of the media are not to be a political arm of the Democrat Party, which is a political arm of the American Marxist movements in this country. The media is protected because they're supposed to protect us with information so we can draw conclusions. The media in the United States could work just as easily for communist China or some other autocratic regime because that's, that's the habits it's, uh, it's embraced. So I wanted to point that out uh, because it's very, very damaging. Now, I want to get into this. I'm going to start with Russia and Ukraine. Most of you don't know this. Many years ago, I talked about this the first time Russia invaded Ukraine. In 1994, I want you to remember this, because you're not hearing this on any of the so-called news platforms. To my knowledge, not one. In 1994, there was an agreement reached. It's known as the Budapest Memorandum, signed in 1994. I just heard a, uh, a great news person on uh, one of the cable channels say, uh, you know, we have no treaty with Ukraine. We have no treaty with uh, with Taiwan, but we have a very, very important agreement, and it's not just us, with the country of Ukraine. And what is this agreement? Well, when the old Soviet Union collapsed, guess what? Ukraine had been part of it. It had been part of the territory. And around one-third of the nuclear, I guess, arsenal that the Soviet Union had was in Ukraine including nuclear missiles and nuclear silos, missile silos. And as Stephen Pfeiffer, who's a former ambassador uh, to Ukraine, has pointed out, Ukraine in its territory had more nuclear weapons than Britain, France, and China at that point combined, 1994. It had the third biggest arsenal of nuclear missiles. So people were concerned about this. And negotiations began with Ukraine, and Ukraine said, look, we'll give up all our nuclear missiles. We'll give them up, but we need to have an agreement that our independence and security will be honored and protected by the countries that are involved in this agreement. And what were the countries? The United States and Russia, the two primary countries, as well as Britain. But the United States and Russia, joined by Great Britain, they gave those assurances in this Budapest, 1994 Budapest Memorandum of Security Assurances. That's what it was called. They gave the assurances to Ukraine. So Ukraine gave up every one of its nuclear weapons. Since Putin has been in power, clawed his way to the top, murders his way to stay there, they're continuing threatening Ukraine because they know Ukraine does not have these nuclear weapons. And they know Ukraine does not have the military power that Russia proper has. 
They don't have the conventional power. Moreover, under Obama, they refused to give them offensive weapons. President Trump gave them some significant offensive weapons, including our cutting-edge technology on these tank-killer weapons uh, that infantry can carry and that can reload. And they can even take out Russia's modern tanks, which they now have on the border with Ukraine. And they had 100,000 troops there last week, and today they have more. That is Russia. And so um, this is a huge problem. But how many of you knew about the 1994 Budapest Memorandum of Security Assurances? How many of you knew that Ukraine surrendered its nuclear weapons in, res- in, 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 in exchange for guarantees, not just by the United States and Great Britain, but Russia? to recognize and accept its independence and help protect its security. Now look at the situation. So Russia is in violation to uh, this agreement. And we're part of this agreement. We're part of this agreement. And, you know... People want to back off. People want to pretend that we have no responsibility. I mean, obviously, we don't want to go to war with Russia. But what what has led to this? What has led to this situation? When Donald Trump was president, the Russians didn't have 100,000 troops and growing with their most modern cutting-edge tanks on the border with Ukraine. What's changed here? We'll get into that in a moment. Now let's take a look at Iran. Let's take a look at Iran. Biden was part of the administration that cut a deal with Iran that ensured that in 10 years Iran would have nuclear weapons. Because after 10 years there would be no holds barred. No holds barred. And what Netanyahu and his government said at the time was, hey look, i got to look beyond 10 years. We can't cut a deal. Plus, this is a terrorist state. You can cut a deal all you want. They're not going to comply with anything. I mean, do we remember why we call things terrorist or terrorism? Or individuals terrorists? It's because they don't follow the rules of war. Otherwise, you're facing a standing army. You're facing uh, you have POWs, that sort of thing. But terrorists, terrorism... Those are words that have meaning. Those are words that have history. So for an example, if somebody is trying to blow up civilian buildings uh, by, by uh, not declaring war, not wearing uniforms, not using the usual uh, sort of weaponry of war and so forth, that's a terrorist. It's a terrorist. You've seen so many of these commercials, have you not? Tunnels to towers, uh, other, so many other charities, so magnificent charities, and what are they trying to do? They're trying to help men and women who have been horrifically disformed as a result of a war whether in Afghanistan or Iraq or elsewhere. Iran is responsible 
for the EADs and other, and other weaponry that was used to do this to the American soldier. Acts of terrorism. And so they would plant bombs. They would do other things that had as their purpose to cripple American soldiers. Kill them or cripple them. That's Iran. And in response, we've given Iran now access to the world's economies. We've given them access to tens of billions of dollars. We give them access to China and Russia's economies. And now we have this access of the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, the genocidal regime in Beijing, and the fascistic regime in Moscow. That's what's taking place now. Not to mention, of course, North Korea. I want, to talk, I want to explore this. It's going to take more than three minutes. I want to explore this. And why all the, the rising tensions now with Russia and Ukraine, now with Iran and its nuclear program, where it has blown off the Biden administration, any concessions whatsoever, because it's within a month or weeks of having nuclear weapons, according to the Biden administration. And then I want to spend time on China next hour, Uh, in an expansive way with our friend Congressman Mike Waltz. Uh, These are very, very important issues, most of which are being touched on surface level, if at all, in the corporate media. But ladies and gentlemen, we better get our act together. We better get prepared for war because war is coming. You're going to have hosts all over the media who are going to say, I warned you about where are they now? I'm telling you, is the lone voice but I hope it'll be regurgitated. War's coming. It's coming because of the aggressiveness of our enemies and the provocations of our government led by Joe Biden. 